Hello and welcome to Impact Quantum. This episode is entitled Applications of Quantum Computing, Predicting the Future is Hard. And it is rated 1 Schrodinger. Now, here is your host, Frank Lavinia. But first, here are 10 seconds of dubstep. Hello, and that dubstep intro can mean only one thing. This is Impact Quantum, the podcast where we explore the emerging field of quantum computing and the impact that it's going to have on the world, our careers, and pretty much everything else in between. Uh, My name is Frank Lavinia. I am a quantum computing enthusiast and podcaster, blogger, et cetera, et cetera. You can uh, check me out at franksworld.com. Uh, you can also check out our other podcast about data science and AI at datadriven.tv. So this past weekend, uh, my wife and I went over to a friend's house, um, which I know, right? Like in actual close physical proximity with other human beings. Um, such a treat that is um, for the year uh, 2020. Um <laughs> And I was telling him about quantum computings, and he's in technology, and he has a very impressive home network setup, by the way. Uh, if I can convince him to get on the show and talk about that, either data-driven or, or somewhere else, but it definitely is a network architecture that is worth worthy of YouTube, uh, certainly more interesting to me anyway than some of the stuff that um, I've seen uh, other home network setups. Uh and definitely an inspiration for aspiration. But of course, he's a professional network engineer. Um, and um, I'm going to have him over to the house uh, someday soon. He can uh, audit what I've built with my uh, knowledge. But this isn't not to get sidetracked. But we were kind of talking about quantum computers. And he he had said something that um, I don't think he, he, he he's like, well, I don't really know what the, the use case is for quantum computers. And and in, and you're right, you know the the um, not to you know kind of poke fun at that, but I mean you're, I mean it is a it is a definitely not the type of computing. Uh, I don't choose my words carefully because I don't want to tick him off. But ultimately, what this is is what quantum computing is is high performance compute no doubt like you're not going you're probably not going to see a uh, quantum iphone anytime soon uh and i don't think that that is is really going to happen if it does happen uh it's going to be some time away but ultimately what are the applications for quantum computing now he he did bring up kind of the the canonical example of you know breaking primes uh or baking encryption and since this is only a um, a uh, one Schrodinger show uh, in terms of level of difficulty, uh, ultimately one of the core one of the thing that always comes up with quantum computing is uh, inevitably is the mention of how it's going to ruin encryption or break encryption as we know it. That's kind of true. Um, it's definitely true if you use anything based on factoring primes. So without getting too much into the math, it turns out that the encryption as we know it today, um, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, government secrets going back and forth, whether it's, um, you know, you putting in your uh, credit card number on Amazon or, you know, just surfing the web and you see that HTTPS, 
uh, behind that is this notion of public key cryptography or kind of ultimately it's based around that it's multiplying large prime numbers. What makes it secure is that it's easy to multiply two prime numbers together to get a really large number. But what the challenge comes in is how do you figure out what those two numbers are based on a really long number? That takes a lot of compute. It takes hundreds, thousands of years of compute to kind of break that type of encryption. Quantum computing has the ability to turn that from millennia, centuries, down to minutes. Uh, that is probably the most obvious example. Now, that having been said, let's uh, let's take a look at this here, this quote. Um, and I kind of compared that statement that, you know, there's not a lot of use for quantum computers, at least not yet, to this statement here where, um, you know, their chairman of IBM, uh, I think the founder, oops, let's just back. The chairman of IBM, uh, president of IBM, uh, Thomas Watson basically said, I think there is a, a world market for maybe five computers. Obviously, that is did not come true. And my, my, my kind of thesis here is that it's not that quantum computing won't have applications beyond encryption and a handful of other things I'm, I'm doing here. I'm saying we can't predict. You can't go back. He said that in 1943. In 1943, the world was a very different place in a number of ways. And can you go back in time and explain to someone in 1943, even an industry expert, the iPhone, the iPad, right? All of these things were all innovations that were not foreseen. And over time, the advances kind of led to new advances and new markets and new everything. And turns out, and I'll say it again, I've said it before, predicting the future is hard, right? You don't have to sell me on that. Uh, I can't find my book, but I wrote a book on Silverlight. I thought this phone here would be the future. Now, in some ways, it was, and if you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, is a uh, Windows phone made, uh, I forget who made this. It's not even a Kia Sierra. But this is the singular 8125 slide-out keyboard, ran Windows Mobile 5, touchscreen, had a camera, and um, had a stylus too. Uh, it can also make phone calls. Uh, but in you know, this was, I think, circa 2005, 2006, cutting edge. The iPhone is very much, you can kind of draw a straight line between these two, right, uh, in terms of um, the technology and kind of the experience. But clearly, this form factor never caught on. You know, we now have something that looks more like this. Larger screen, no keyboard. Uh, the keyboard's on screen, and um, you know, obviously, cameras are better. The technology's better. Everything about this is, you know, better. So, for to go from this to this, 
was a big leap. So I can cut Mr. Watson a little bit of slack for not seeing the future. In fact, Bill Gates even said something like that 640K of RAM ought to be enough for anyone. Obviously, that prediction did not come true. So as you learn quantum computing, you think, well, there's not really going to be a lot of applications to this. I would say, oh, Traer, I think that there is definitely going to be applications which we can't even envision yet. I mean, could you imagine going back to 2005 uh, with this type of... Um, um, phone device and thinking that you would be able to hail a car, hail a cab with this, right? Uh, order food, have stuff delivered, shop, right? It was a very painful experience on this. So all of these uh, innovations, uh, whether that's uh, speed, uh, whether that's um, convenience, are all things that you know were not possible in the first iteration. And you can tell I'm recording this live because my dog is barking. But let me go back and kind of talk about um, uh, what I wanted to talk about in terms of what other applications are. Because he, 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 he's an industry executive guy. He's super smart. And he didn't know about this, right? Uh, climate change, energy production, right? Um, and food production. Those are all kind of related, at least in my mind, that um, you know, quantum computers could help with material science, uh, whether that's uh, finding out how um, the nitrogen cycle works in plants and agriculture, which right off the bat, if that problem is solved, we figure out uh, we can reduce our energy usage because I think about a third, 30% or so of all energy production in the world is done towards creating fertilizer or doing basically what um, seedlings and plants can do kind of naturally, the nitrogen cycle, nitrogen fixation. Not honest, but that's kind of that's kind of the thing. Fortunately, we have Wikipedia. Um, climate change, I think, also would, would tie into that. And if you can suddenly free up 30% of the world's energy resources, that would have an impact on energy production and climate. But also, I mean, if you take a look at plants, um, plants have the ability to produce, um, you know, to take carbon out of the atmosphere, um, water, and solar power, basically, photons, and convert that, take that out of the atmosphere and convert that to, to energy. Um, so that I think also called the photosynthesis. You probably remember that from, from uh, middle school science and all the science classes you've taken. Obviously, there's a lot of chemistry there, but because there's a lot of chemistry there, this quantum computers can help us figure out how can plants do it so efficiently. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's a probably about twice as efficient as the solar panels that you can buy today. So we can get more efficient solar panels. Um, the slide deck here says antibiotic resistance, but I would say medicine, pharmaceuticals in general. You know, you can have the ability to simulate uh, molecules and how that would how that would affect biology. Um, I've read somewhere that um, lithium, which is uh, often given as a... Uh, um, prescribed as a tool, uh, not a tool, but it's a, a medicine for folks with certain types of depression and certain types of uh, mental health issues. They, th th it somehow, and, and, and this was a, a medical professional saying, it somehow affects the brain in a way we really can't explain, which is fascinating because, you know, lithium has been 
been doled out as a, as a, as a medicine for quite some time. And we can't really explain a molecular level of how it affects the brain. That's something that quantum computing can fix, right? If you ever watch these, uh, these medicine commercials, right. Uh, on TV or, you know, in between videos on YouTube, you know, they'll, they'll say this medicine does this, but you know, there's these side effects and, you know, that gives pharmaceutical makers a quantum computer would give them the ability to kind of simulate that and maybe, maybe craft molecules that don't do that, craft medicines that won't have those nasty side effects or at least mitigate them. So I would say, um, you know, too late for Christmas time. But yes, Virginia, there are plenty of <laughs> applications for quantum computing and plus dozens, maybe hundreds. We just can't envision yet because predicting the future is hard. So if you are on the fence about whether or not you should learn quantum computing, I suggest you uh, do a couple things. One, um, take a look around. Take a look at the, the, the hype around it, right? And, and take some of the hype with a grain of salt. But also dig behind the hype, right? You know, one of the things I first heard about quantum computing a few years ago when I was like, um, okay, you know, that it could solve world hunger. Like, okay, sure. And then when I kind of double-clicked on that, so to speak, uh, I found out about the nitrogen um, uh, fixation, nitrogen cycle, uh, and how much energy is actually used to produce, uh, you know, fertilizer for plants, and how easy, you know, seeds can do it. Um, you know, so there, there is, you know, hype is kind of like smoke. Where there's smoke, there's probably some kind of fire. Question is, you know, how much and how big. So I would say. There are very clear uses here and not on this slide, but if you're listening to the podcast, you don't care about the slide. Material science, you know, how could you make, um, you know, rocket ship engines or, or, or make rocket engines out of stuff that's more durable, that can survive in more extreme environments? How could you make uh, things more efficiently? Uh, and, and I think also um, quantum computers can also solve kind of these optimization problems. Um, that, you know, if you're familiar with any kind of artificial intelligence or deep learning training, um, you know, this type of finding the global minimum across an entire uh, sweep of hyperparameters, which is, a, I know this is only one Schrodinger, but uh, ultimately quantum computers can find the best, um, you know, optimized configuration across a wide array of input data. So I, I think that, you know, even if we just do, even if it's only two applications, this alone can explode into a hundred different directions. And um, the material science aspect of this, I think, also has implications. And I see I have comments. Um, so, yes. So, yeah, these are very specific use cases. Uh, you're absolutely right. You know, not everyone is going to want to model nitrogen molecules. Not everyone is going to model uh, lithium ions for creating medicines. But I want to kind of show what Andy said, my co wonderful co-host at datadriven.tv, uh, who's also doing a lot of live streaming too. Uh, he says it best. We can't um, yet imagine the things we we're able to accomplish with the help of quantum computers. When Watson... Thomas Watson said there's only a market for four or five computers. Keep in mind, this is pre-transistor, right? So we're talking about vacuum tubes. We're talking about, you know, probably this was during World War II. So most of the world's computers were focused on 
cracking encryption, the Enigma machine and stuff like that. But the transistor and the ability to get trans, you know, if you've ever seen a vacuum tube, my dad used to work in, uh, in, uh, as a TV repairman. So he would fix a lot of old TVs and they had vacuum tubes. But over time, those vacuum tubes were replaced. And if you've never seen them, they're like small light bulbs. They run hot. They have a finite, I mean, in terms of what their ability to do is, uh, and they always had to be a certain size, right? They were always, smallest one I've ever seen is about that big. And the size on the vacuum tube determined a lot of things. Uh, don't pretend to be an expert on vacuum tubes. Uh, but the transistor basically took that to a, smaller and smaller form factor right to the point where transistors now are you know i mean you need an electron microscope to see them right they're 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 you know we're talking about width of atoms you know um that is how small these things are i don't think anyone in the 1940s could have predicted that except maybe some science fiction authors and even then, that probably would have seemed far-fetched too. So my, I agree 100% with Andy that we just don't know, right? I mean, when Thomas Watson said that, when Bill Gates said about 640K of memory, well, we couldn't imagine the video games, the, um, the sheer number of data that we're generating now. We don't know what we don't know. Predicting the future is hard. So I would say, that yes, it was, does look like that these are very specific use cases today. But I will say these are big use cases, whether that's producing more efficient solar panels, whether that is finding ways to feed people in a more energy efficient way, medicine, pharmaceuticals, material science. I think those, you know, those are four categories. Those are pretty big, specific use cases that impact our daily lives. So even if we stay at this level, it's still going to have a huge impact. And obviously, you know, in terms of solving optimizations, these does P equal NP type problems, traveling salesman, traveling salesperson, if you prefer. Those types of problems, if we can solve those, are going to have a massive impact on the world. Plus the stuff we can't even see. So I would say bet on quantum computers. My name is Frank Lavinia, and you have been listening to Impact Quantum. You have a great day. Thanks for listening to Impact Quantum. We know you're busy and we appreciate you listening to our podcast. But we have a favor to ask. Please rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you subscribe to us. You have subscribed to us? Haven't you? Having high ratings and reviews helps us improve the quality of our show and rank us more favorably with the search algorithms. That means more people listen to us, spreading the joy. And, can't the world use a little more joy these days? So, go do your part to make the world just a little better and be sure to rate and review the show.